episode 135 fractured skulls terminator trials long simon oxide it is sunday march 26 2023 if you can't believe it we're slightly less than a month away before our vacation jesus christ is it really that soon our flight leaves on the 22nd damn man time is just flying it's flying by really quick it's we're about to hit into april we're about to hit in the first quarter of 2023 already it's crazy getting older and my birthday's coming up fuck yeah that's right your, your, your birthday's coming up don't remind me you 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 and mr uh, another close friend of ours you guys share the same birthday a close friend of ours who morris that guy yeah okay <laughs> you blinked on a little Who's that? oh yeah that guy well, he's in our circle, but uh, he, circle. nobody would know who the hell he is. Yeah, that's why I said someone in our circle would kind of went over your head. Oh, whatever. But we have a lot to discuss here in this episode. We still got a big movie review featuring our What the Twist from our boy. So uh, we'll get things started. Let's check it out. Well, I guess I'll get the sad news out of the way first. I'm not talking about the arrest. Oh, no, no, that's later. I mean our real sad news. Uh, this was reported a little, uh, about a week ago. Uh, you heard about Amanda Bynes? Yes. Uh, she was scheduled. I think they already had, like, their, at some, com- not like a Comic-Con event. They were going to they were gonna have an all-that reunion with a lot of the uh, old-school uh, castmates. Amanda was originally scheduled to be there. But then uh, she pulled out last minute due to, I believe they said, medical reasons, quotations. But it turns out, according to TMZ, Amanda Bynes was walking around the streets naked and alone. She has been placed on psychiatric hold. The former Nickelodeon star in downtown Los Angeles on Sunday morning waving cars down, telling people she's coming down from a psychotic episode with no clothes on. Imagine that. So... We talked about her on this podcast and just how much she has fallen from grace because of the fact that you see her in the early 2000s. She seems like a happy, go lucky, bubbly personality. And I said it, the thing that really not turned me off, but really like put the alarm bells on for me is that in her later years, like in her current form, you never see a photo of her with a smile. Before, she was smiling all the time. She seemed so happy. Was it disingenuous? Possibly. But it's at least there was some fun to to get out of Amanda Bynes. Now you look at her and you're just like, who is this person? This isn't Amanda Bynes. This is a completely different human being. It's kind of in the same vein of uh, Pete Burns, the guy who was the lead singer for Dead or Alive. You look at that guy from the 80s and then you look at him right before he died in 2016. Looks like two completely different people. It's crazy. Or or another example. uh, You Americans might not be familiar with these two duo. Uh, The Bogdanov twins. uh, I think it's Grishka and Igor. They were famous mostly in France for doing a television show. Talking about uh, not pseudoscience, but like uh, science fiction in a way. And you see them in the 70s, and they look like completely normal people, but up until their death last year, you look at their faces, they looked 
wow, completely different. All the uh, plastic surgery and stuff. So it's like, now in the case of Amanda Bynes, she didn't, as far as I know, she didn't have plastic surgery. She just looks completely blank at this point. I don't know what the hell happened to her. What what happened that made her go to the psychiatric breakdown? I, I don't know. I think she just she just turned to drugs. Um, you know, she never went under the knife. Unfortunately, she went under the needle. Mm-hmm. What what what's being reported? What happened was that she has a boyfriend. She or she was seeing some. I don't know if she's still seeing this guy after these events, but she was dating someone by the name of Paul. Funny enough, we just mentioned Paul. Yeah, no, not Paul. that Paul, a different Paul. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the couple had a huge fight. Paul kicked out, uh, kicked her out where she was staying. Amanda has been homeless since then, and that's why she went into uh, a fifty-one fifty. She felt she needed help. I don't know who this guy is. I pray uh, that he's not a bad influence on her. To be honest, I don't think it's him. He may be a bad influence, but he's definitely not what caused her to go down because she had been going down way before they even met. So this is prior to him, as far as I know. When was the first signs of her falling down? Like in the early 2010s? Yeah, because yeah, Easy Easy A was her last movie. That came out 2010, and then she called it a retirement after that. It was just kind of unex- you know, unexpected. But then, and then later, all these stories start coming out about Amanda being... Just having these psychotic meltdowns. Yeah, didn't uh, she throw like a fireball or start a fire at somebody's lawn? I believe so, yeah. That was when we started to really see the effects trickling down. It was very scary. Like, this person, who is this person at this point? This is not the Amanda Bynes of, of old. No. I want to see the old, I want to see the old Amanda Bynes. And when I say old Amanda Bynes, I don't mean she has to do the same material. She can still do material of what she wants to do, but I don't want to be looking at photos of her looking like she is completely dead inside. Because that's what she is. She's dead inside. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to see is a childhood star that I watched growing up falling down to grace. I want to see a redemption. Kind of like with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's what everybody wants. I mean, we all want to see her get help. Uh, I, I, I just pray she's surrounding herself with the right people. I know uh, Keenan, either Keenan or Kel. I know they put out, you know, hoping that she gets the help that she needs. Because I know they were looking forward to seeing her at the, uh, I guess the little reunion thing that they were doing. Well, yeah, they did work with her. She was, she was the first cast member to replace somebody because uh, the original. I forgot the actress's name, but she was part of that skit with Keenan, the Randy and Mandy, where they always put chocolate into everything. Amanda Bynes took her spot and did the whole uh, Dear Ashley skits. So I would hope that she finds some closure because Amanda Bynes may have not been the best comedian, but she definitely was fun. At least you knew when you were watching her, you were going to have a fun time. And the Amanda show was a fun show. It had its moments. So it's not like this woman doesn't have the charm. She definitely has it, or at least had it. And I'd like to see it again. But as you said, the one thing she needs to be is around people who are going to be a good influence on her. Yeah. Um, I don't know where she met this Paul guy. Some are saying she, may, she met him in rehab. 
Mm-hmm. And now, you know, there could be speculation. Okay, they may have met in rehab. They dated. They may have lived together. And then, but you know, either one or the other could have went back to their old habits. And I think it's even more dangerous if they're together because then they, you know, they're gonna. If one goes back, the other one's gonna follow. You know, uh, that, and that kind of stuff has happened. Yeah. If you if you're a couple and you both have issues, you shouldn't be together at that time being because you're a bad influence on both of each other. So, uh, but again, I don't know this Paul guy. I don't think he's a famous guy. I'm just speculating. It's, it's, yeah. that's really all we could do is have speculate. We got different theories on what happened, what we think happened. Um, I see a video here on Twitter. Um, someone by the name of Caitlin Hot Caitlin Hot Fox. They had they have a TikTok of them just walking in the streets with Amanda Bynes. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know they just she just ran into her and said, "Ooh, you know, let me uh, exploit her for for likes." Right. So and that was reported uh, like a week ago. We just walking the streets of Hollywood. It's St. Patrick's Day. I saw my girl walking, so I said I had to say what's up. <laughs> and that's the end of the video. It sounds like somebody's looking for clout, especially for a woman that doesn't need to be having clout. Like we need, she needs support. She doesn't need clout. We don't need to be throwing her into the spotlight. Give her the help she needs, please. Yeah, this is the last thing she needs. Um, I I just wish Amanda the best. I really hope you know she goes back to rehab or. She knows someone close that, she, that that can help her and try to get her back on her feet because not too long ago, it seemed like she was slowly, she was like doing okay because she was in cosmetics, mm-hmm. I, either as, as like a hairstylist or something. She was just, you know, she was just keeping herself busy, keeping away from drugs and everything. She was just acting normal. And then, yeah. I, and then now this shit happens. Yeah, I'm hoping nothing but the best for her. I don't wish any ill will. I don't know what her relationship's like with her family, but if she has a relationship with her parents, I would hope that her parents are there for her. Yeah, that's a whole another story in another nutshell. Yeah, um, you know, but to Amanda Bynes, we just uh, we just wish you the Amanda best. Whoopsie Daisy, TikTok really wants to exploit this video. Yeah, I sent you. I sent you the video in your messages, so you see it for yourself. Got it. I'll watch it after we're done. But that's our uh, sad news of the week. Uh, now we're going to swing over to Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And 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 you heard about the things that had to happen with him in uh, DC and Shazam? Uh, let me see if I got it right. Mr. Mayavia himself was purposefully trying to separate two characters that are known in the comic book universe to have some sort of interaction together so that he could have Shazam interact with Superman or some shit, and now... I don't... What happened was, Black Adam is Shazam's arch-enemy. Captain Marvel, I should say. Captain Marvel's arch-enemy. Good. When The Rock did Black Adam, he basically did what he wanted to do. You know, for about the past decade or so, The Rock has stayed away from superhero movies. You know, when superhero movies seemed like it was at its peak, he was doing other shit. He was doing the Fast and Furious movies, whatever. And then eventually, I guess the bug got to him. He probably said, all right, I'll do this movie, but we're going to do it my way. And the okay. reason I think Rock got his way was because that it it really shows you the lack of leadership behind the DC movies. 
They don't have a Kevin Feige. They don't have someone that seems to be in control to at least to try to steer this boat. It's crazy how the Rocket just come in and just basically do what he wants. Basically makes make the movie that he wants because he think, oh, you know, it's gonna sell a superhero movie. Me, Dwayne, it's gonna make money. And I truly believe that had this film worked, they would have kept Rock on board as Black Adam. But the movie flopped. And originally, uh, the characters that appeared in this film were supposed to appear in Shazam. And they didn't appear in Shazam because The Rock put a stop to it. He didn't want he want nothing to do with Captain Marvel. He wanted Superman. He wanted Henry Cavill. Hell, who knows if the Black Adam film would have made money. Who knows? Maybe Henry Cavill could have stuck around. But that experiment failed quickly. And now with the Shazam movie, I mean, let me tell you something. John Wick just got released over this weekend. It has already made over 70 million. Right now, Shazam is, is barely breaking 100. Jesus Christ. Is and this, John Wick was made with way less money. Yeah. I, why was it necessary for The Rock to tamper all with this shit? I, I think this film really exposed that The Rock does have an ego. Which is crazy because when I read about the feud between The Rock and Vin Diesel, most of the people would say that The Rock is such a pleasure to work with, but Vin Diesel is such a fucking prima donna. But why? Why? I don't know. Is, is it a clash? I think it was just a clash of egos. Vin Diesel right. felt his franchise was being threatened by this other top star. But the point he had in his contract, I'm not going to lose to him. But my point is, is that The Rock was always looked at as a positive influence with whoever he works with. How did it all of a sudden just go complete 180? I think because of the failure that this film is making, some people are blaming Warner that th that they're purposely pointing fingers at The Rock. Mm. But, yet, you know, when The Rock, when Black Adam didn't work, The Rock didn't go around blaming people. He just said, you know, it's unfortunate that this film, you know, didn't work, but I think everyone that was involved and, you know, blah, blah, blah. At least to The Rock's credit, he doesn't go, he didn't go around saying, you know, it's their fault. They didn't support me. The, the Warner Brothers machine didn't get behind the film enough or whatever. Yeah. At least in his case, he could argue, I never pointed fingers. Here, yeah. everyone's pointing fingers at The Rock. Now, whether The Rock actually did it or not, I believe he did. Sure, you could be upset at The Rock for that. But at the end of the day, I mean, does anybody really... If you really think about this, anybody really care about Captain Marvel? Does anybody really care about Shazam? Did uh, anybody care to see a sequel to the first one? Don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the first Shazam movie, I, I thought it was fine. I didn't hate it. It's a, it, was a, it was better than the recent Marvel movies. I mean, uh, and I hear, then I hear this new one, the the Shazam sequel is actually not bad. It's just that no one gives a shit. For people to give a shit, there has to be some momentum behind it. Like before they made the first Deadpool movie, there was momentum for Deadpool, so it's like it warranted a movie. How are you gonna make a movie when there's no momentum behind that character? You know, I think if the franchise was strong, I think this film would have worked. And then, and I'm going to save that same argument too once we get over to Star Wars, because the rest of our news story is just all Disney shit. Oh boy, here we go. But, but uh, as of right now, the budget for Shazam was uh, is between 100 to 125 million. And, and as of right now, they had an 80 percent drop within their second weekend of of it being in theaters. An 80 percent drop. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And then here's the thing. Is the movie woke? I haven't heard any woke stuff. 
So that that is telling because usually that happens to woke movies quite a bit. It'll maybe have a strong start because of the the curiosity of certain franchises, but once people start to realize, oh, it's woke nonsense, that's when it takes a dip. Now, I mean, the, I mean, but you know, the DC directions after the failure of Zack Snyder and and the Justice League, uh, they did go woke. They they went more female power. They they heavily tried to push Harley Quinn. And that didn't work, right? So it just it just seems like a shift that wants to go in all these different directions. Even though Shazam may have not been a woke film, but it's just that the, the films have been so lackluster, it just kills all the hype. I mean, and we just I just pray that James Gunn could try and fix all this because I don't think I I don't think it's gonna work. I can't really see I don't see James Gunn pushing because after because what's coming up? What's next? The Flash. You got the Flash and Aquaman, and then they won't have another DC film until I believe twenty twenty five. Instead of the Flash, why not just get Flash Gordon? <laughs> I'm Flash. not sure who owns Flash Gordon. Whoa! Flash! Whoa! <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's. Uh... I don't know what to say in regards to this whole failure with The Rock because I'm not a DC guy. I don't know what The Rock was thinking. I don't know what his mentality was. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he does have an ego. I would presume everybody that's successful has some sort of ego in some way, shape, or form. You have to have an ego to be successful. You got to be confident in yourself. But to know think that you know better than everybody like as far as i know the rock does not have any sort of history when it comes to comic books he's not like a comic book nerd not that i know of maybe he is i don't know but he never presented himself as one never i read his book from when wwf released it years ago and i don't remember any comic book talk in there granted it was probably somebody writing for him but most of his upbringing was football so talented guy but he obviously should not have been putting his foot note or footprint in the superhero genre just wasn't going to work out for him in the long run he does he does have the chiseled body of one but he oh, doesn't have oh, mine yeah, he used to look perfectly the guy's he's a fucking freaking nature so he definitely fits the superhero mold it's just that he was doing so much other stuff he just he honestly he didn't need the superhero genre uh he, and he probably realized, you know, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do it my way. I'm the star. I'm I'm the big name. I mean, you guys need me more than I need you. I, 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 that was his approach. Who knows? And who knows? and he wanted to work with the top guys. He wanted to work with Superman. Well, if you want to work with Superman, why are you picking a superhero that nobody gives a shit about? But everyone likes Henry Cavill. They liked him in that role. They just didn't like his movies, but they like him. Mm -hmm. So Rock knew there was something there. So let me work with the big guys and let this try to be the start of something new. We could, we could, let me try to work off of this. Right. But the problem is, it's fucking Black Adam. You know, Black Adam is not. <laughs> he's not in the same spot that Iron Man was. You know, he's he's a villain. At the end of the day, Black Adam is a villain. Some say he's an antihero. I, I consider him more as a bad guy. He's the arch enemy of Captain Marvel, and The Rock tried to do something different with it. So, in other words, Black Adam is like King DDD in the Kirby series. Most people debate, is he really a villain? 
because in the early games, Kirby's last battle is against King DDD. But most people are like, is King DDD really a villain? Because he's just the king trying to protect his kingdom. And, that, and that's but, what that was Black Adam. He wanted to get revenge for his people because he was a slave uh, in his time period. And he mm -hmm. and a god to get revenge on the kings and everyone responsible. But of course, you know, him being a god, him being Black Adam, the power got to him. He just wanted to take over everything. Right. I don't So. Whatever. Long story short, Rock is out anyway. Henry Cavill's out. And it looks like Zachary Levy's going to be done. It's, it just seems like they're just going to start over. They just... That's, I'm saying, I think secretly James Gunn just wants these movies to flop just so he could do do this new franchise, this new universe his way. That's if they give him the chance. Well, we'll just, we'll just see how he does. Right. Because he's directing the next Superman movie, Man of Tomorrow, whatever it's called. Man of Tomorrow. Wow, that's mansplaining right there. So, uh, yeah, sucks for Shazam. Looks like it's already going to flop. They're already, I think, releasing it. I think you can buy it on online within the next month because they got to find a way to make up that money. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So that's that. It'll probably drop on HBO Max by, by probably late May. Well, should we head over to Disney? <laughs> They're in a lot of shit right now. Why? What? What, what, what are they doing now? When it rains, it pours. I guess we'll start with the big arrest. Jonathan Majors, who just had two films released over the past month. He had Ant-Man 3, and he had uh, Creed 3. And uh, he got arrested over what? Uh, I think it was allegations of uh, choking somebody out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He choked someone. He beat the shit out of, uh, of a 30-year-old woman is what's being uh, claimed. He got arrested uh, Saturday morning in New York City. Unbelievable. Well, keep in mind, he has to have his day in court. Yes. So. Innocent or proven guilty. Which is non-existent nowadays. Yes, because as of right now, he already lost a sponsorship with the U.S. Army. Oh, beautiful. It's, so it it's, out, it's already beginning. So if it comes out that he was innocent throughout the whole thing, do they reimburse him? That's I would think so. I don't know why they would. Well, I don't know why people are already pulling out. I would wait until I will wait and find out what happens because for those that don't know, this guy's on top of the world right now. He's the main. He's the main baddie in Creed three. He's going to be the new Thanos type villain in the Marvel movies, and now this comes out. So, here's why they do it. They do it because if they don't react immediately. They're going to get flat from the communities of Twitter and TikTok and all that stuff, complaining that these people are protecting a, a an abuser, not knowing that we don't know if he's an abuser yet because he hasn't had his day in court. So they got to react immediately or else their business is going to, quote unquote, tank. That's why they do this. But I asked the reimbursement thing because I'm still wondering to this day, has Disney reimbursed Johnny Depp? After it was found out that he was exonerated from all the charges against Amber, fucking unheard over there. <laughs> I mean, if they did, they must have did it behind closed doors, or maybe they promised him. They must have made a promise, you know, but, behind the scenes. I don't know. But now think of this: if you're Johnny Depp, would you take it? Because in your mind, these people who I did so much work for created a character in Jack Sparrow that is so iconic. 
that is going to live, outlive me and outlive many generations because he's so an iconic character. I did so much work for you guys. And he's probably done other Disney movies. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But he's done all this work. But the second that a an allegation of an abuse towards his wife came out, which Johnny Depp has never had a history of doing, they had no trouble whatsoever dropping his ass like nothing, like garbage. Yeah, and they wanted to pass over his franchise, a Pirates movie, to a bunch of girls. Jeez, yeah. Margot Robbie, they want to hand it over to her. Margot Robbie, there we go. Yeah, the face of the message. I- I'm not I sure think- how woke she is. I don't-, I don't think she's as woke as the others, but she's proven that she's not a draw. Nowhere near a draw as they hype her up to be. She might be woke too, so I'll, I'll hold my. I don't ju- know. Yeah, she never really said anything outright woke. She's yeah. just. The but no, that guess she was behind the Harley Quinn movies, which were woke. So I, I could believe that. I, could, I guess I don't know. Yeah, but now like, it's. Uh, it, it who was that actress or that director you said that went out and said that these movies are not made for white people? Oh, oh uh, ba- Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, I don't remember Margot Robbie ever saying some ridiculous shit like that. No, no, not at that level, but she has tried to push the message with, with that last Harley Quinn movie. I see. At least her, she had the support of the studio, too. The studio gets blamed as well. Of course, this was oh. before Discovery came in. Got it. But now it's being reported that two directors have shared allegations of Jonathan Majors' uh, past abusive behavior on set. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, his lawyer has come out to say, you know, there's been a written agreement uh, following this incident, but this is not looking good for him. As we say, you know, innocent till proven guilty. Why? Why? Why do they? Why can't uh, a sponsor of his just say, look, we're aware of what happened, but we're not going to make any radical decisions until he's had his day in court. That's all you have to say. That's all they got to tweet. Because, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Even if they were to tout that, then fucking Twitter is going to go up and lose their minds that they're protecting an abuser. They're, they're worried about their bottom line. But that's all it is. That's all it is. They're just worried about what the community is going to do in response. They, they want to be instant right now. Not worried about what's going to happen. That's the problem with all these companies. They're worried about the short term. It's it's. I remember many years ago, Paul Heyman saying it best, and and it always resonated with me so well. He was talking about how he always wanted to fire older men in wrestling because, or he used the term "chop their head off." Chop their because, fucking heads off. Yeah. Chop your fucking head off because, and he used. The Yankees is a prime example. If you want somebody who's going to win you, possibly win you a World Series, well, you got your team right now. You got your Derek Jeter. You got your Alex Rodriguez. You got this, that, and the other. But at the time that he did this interview, both men were in their mid to late 30s. So it's like, how many more years do you have with them? I want to fill my team with 20-year-olds because... I want my team to be filled with guys that are going to do 500 home runs in their career, as opposed to the guy who already did 500 home runs and has probably got more games behind him than he does have ahead of him. 
What are you thinking about 10 years from now? You want to create a dynasty. You don't want to create a team that's going to be good this year and then they possibly retire and now you got to scrounge up and get some other guys. I want to start building to my future. Nobody thinks like that. They always want to think short term. What is the short term gross? Here, we're going to make a bunch of fucking money, but we're not going to think ahead of how this is going to make our company look and if we're going to still be making money 10 years from now because of what we did just now. We're, we're not worried about the possible consequence of our actions if we make this decision now that'll make us the short-term boost of money, but could be detrimental 10 years from now. They don't want to think like that. It's always short-term thinking. And that's just how people are. Now look at Disney and how radically affected their image was when Johnny Depp was found innocent. Everybody was like fucking angry at Disney because of how they reacted. It seems like Disney, as of right now, Disney hasn't said shit. They are staying quiet. And I think they're going to continue to stay quiet until this guy has his day in court. I don't know when that day is going to come. Hopefully soon. Probably the sooner the better for everyone. And, um, but uh, his lawyer has said this: uh, there's evidence, including his innocence. Uh, video footage from the vehicle where this episode took place. Witness testimony from the driver and others who both saw and heard the episode. And most importantly, two written statements from the woman recanting these allegations. All the evidence proves that Mr. Majors is entirely innocent and did not insult her whatsoever. Oh, that's so, good. It goes back to our saying, innocent till proven guilty. Yep. Let the man have his day in court. If he's found innocent, great. And hopefully he'll... Everything will remain fine. I'll be back to where it was. But if not, oh boy. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see because this, it's still a breaking news story and there's possibly going to be people that are going to recant many things. But I would hope the man is innocent because I don't want to hear that he's choking women out. <laughs> yeah, probably hitting them the, the concha hot you made, the transmission. Yeah. Survive if I let you. I'm Kang. Yeah, we'll see because I mean this could have come at a at a worst possible time for majors, and he's on top of the world right now. He's he's at his peak. He's hot. Well, he's hot, all right. Yeah, I, mean, I bet he's hot knowing that. Oh my God, my fucking career is gonna be possibly over. He's probably yeah. real hot right now. Especially in today's culture, yeah. I mean, you gotta like be a fucking clean cut face. Yeah. Jeez, you step on a fuck. You slip on a banana peel to find a way to cancel you. <laughs> you fart in the wrong direction. <laughs> you fart in church. That's it. That's it. You're done. Satan's coming after you now. But uh, speaking of Disney, uh, we're gonna keep uh, sticking to Disney. Speaking of Marvel, Victoria Alonso has been fired from uh, Disney. Uh, she's one of the top executives for the Marvel movie. She's been there since uh, the first Iron Man movie. Since they were. Uh, Marvel was working with Paramount. The Paramount days before uh, Disney, I think, bought them after the first Avengers movie. 2012, 2013, they bought uh, the Marvel brand, I believe, what, $4 billion? And she's been around since then. And as of uh, this past weekend, they have fired her. Now, the reason for her firing, a lot of people say it's because of the woke stuff. Which is true, because she is heavily woke. She's an activist. I mean, she's an activist first, producer second. And plus, she's responsible for all the uh, the CGI and the effects department. 
which I believe we reported here a few months ago how everyone is disappointed working, uh, doing the effects for the Marvel movies because they never have any time to get any work done. Because every time they finally get something done, Marvel comes back into the room and says, oh wait, we're going to rechange the scene, we're going to reshoot it, and blah blah blah. There's been a shit ton of reshoots with the Marvel movies. And these reshoots, they, they use a lot of effects. And this, the effects teams uh, try to get so much done in such a short amount of time. And if Victoria is being the one responsible that's been pressuring all of them to get uh, all this work done in such in a short amount of time. And they all get frustrated and, and they feel like they should be confiscated. They should be getting paid more for their work to do all this stuff. Okay. So now they're starting to see that woke shit is... I, I would hope to think that they're seeing that woke shit doesn't draw. You know what it is? I don't think that's why they fired her. Because if they fired her because it's woke, then half of the fucking company should be leaving going out that door with her. Because they all, they're all still woke. I don't think that's why they, they fired... I think that it's being told that the reason they fired her is because she's been doing other uh, producer work outside of her contract. For other movies, and it's a, and it goes against her contract. I think that's the cover. Up. I maybe maybe that's maybe that is, but I think Disney turned a blind eye to it so long because it was like you know we're making so much money, but then once the woke shit started really coming in a, after uh, Endgame, they they uh, needed someone to take the fall. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, good written's Victoria. Victoria. Hopefully, I, 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 I'm saying hopefully, no, they're still going to be woke. Of course, they're not going to learn that lesson. Yeah, they're not going to learn. And I feel like they do know that this shit's not working. Well, the thing is, is that Disney's idiot proof. They could lose a bunch of money. They're still Disney. It's That's the problem. If there were consequences to them, well, they kind of are. They're not making any money, but they're not losing any money either. They're still Disney. It's that's what it is. It's like the company's not gonna go anywhere anytime soon. Well yeah, it's just yeah, the name or fucking Disney. Even though they lost like fucking billions of dollars last year from their Apple loan. And yeah, it's gonna lose them another two hundred million. That's the problem. Any other company that loses that type of money would probably be out of business, but it's not going to be the case for Disney. Any other company would realize what the fuck are we doing wrong? I mean, yeah. why, why, is, why is John Wick making so much money? What are they doing right? Who's the lead? Any females? No, nope. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Look at all well, this manpower in this movie. Yeah, for starters, they don't give a shit about mansplaining. It's like <laughs> when they, when the woke community is sitting there talking about how fucking uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is toxic masculinity. You think a guy like him, who's a ruthless leader in Russia who actually knows martial arts and could fuck up a good amount of people in America just by fighting them one-on-one -on -one is going to give a shit about your opinion on toxic masculinity? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. He's probably going to laugh your ass out of the fucking building. Probably wouldn't even lay a hand on you. He'll just probably poke you and make you cry. Well, and my last news story, well, it's still Disney, but we're heading over to Lucasfilm. Star Wars. I gotta tell you, since this guy won Best Supporting Actor... I mean, it's really kind of lame that he's not in a new Indiana Jones movie. Especially for the fact that he was a child in the second one. And people are saying, damn, Disney really missed the opportunity to hand the franchise over to him. He just won an Oscar. He's like, he's hot. Everybody loves him. I mean, to me, that's something you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot. But 
Instead, they're going to hand it over to this girl, this actress, who I believe is woke. Here we go again with woke. Yeah, but um, it's been reported that Lucasfilm, uh, after this Indiana Jones movie, I believe they had a TV show that they wanted to work on, but that has since been canceled. They said, and of course, you're ready to mention the cancellation of Willow. They said they're just going to uh, focus solely on Star Wars for now on. Because they fucked uh, up all their other projects. And who knows how well uh, this new Indiana Jones movie is going to do once it comes out. I mean, haven't they already tarnished Star Wars enough? And uh, this kind of leads into my uh, uh, my other Star Wars story. Because uh, right now they're dealing with a lawsuit. Star Wars former acolyte producer sues Lucasfilm over wrongful termination. What's the details? Well, the details of this is that this producer, let me get her name, Karen McCarthy. She was hired by Disney to produce their Acolyte series. I don't know what the fuck that Star Wars Acolytes is. Uh, I don't think it involves Farouk and Bradshaw, but I believe it's also involved the, or maybe the beginning of the Jedi's, how Jedi's were made. Maybe a group of women made the laser sword. I don't know. But when she took this job, she shot down other producing gigs. That was worth millions of dollars that, that they were going to pay her millions, including Netflix and Apple. So she shot down all that money to work for Disney and Lucasfilm. Well, after the failure that uh, Disney made off of their apps, you know, they lost that four billion I mentioned. And yeah. Disney made a shit ton of cuts, including this Acolyte. Well, I think the Acolyte is still being made. I think they only shot like a pilot. It's supposed to be a series, but it's, I think as of right now, they just shot a pilot, and I think they're trying to look at for, look for investors to possibly fund the series if they like this pilot. But since then, they fired her, saying, you know, we're not going to need your service anymore. And she's like, what the fuck? I shot down working for Netflix. I shot down working for Apple to work for you guys. And now you're not going to even confiscate me? You just fired me? I don't even think they even paid her. And now she, she's suing them for wrongful terminations. And I would have thought that Disney would have kept this hush hush like, all right, here's your money, you know, fuck off. But they, they, they didn't even do that. Yeah, they're probably what they're going to do is try and drag the lawsuit to where she has not enough money and then she'll just go away. Because Disney has that money. Now, before but I get. How much money do they have? Because if they did have money, I would think they would have paid her under the table or whatever and just tell her, you know, go away. Yeah, but maybe they think it's more worth it to just fucking drag the lawsuit out. Who knows? Because, again, let's just say, for all shits and giggles, they did offer her something and she denied it. Because you got to remember, a settlement is a mutual agreement between two parties. That, yes. okay, we did this, or we didn't do this, but however, we don't want to fucking go through the hassle of going through court. Here's X amount of dollars. If she accepts it, then yeah, that's the settlement. They go to separate ways after that. If she doesn't accept it, then it's like, well, now Disney's going to have to pull out the big wigs. But <laughs> as far as wrongful termination, this is something. Oof. Uh, it's being it, reported they only gave her five grand. Yeah, so there you go. She's probably pissed off that they're only going to give her $5,000. So anyways, here, the thing about wrongful termination, is this is something that, that, that makes me scratch my head. And, and maybe it can be explained better by a lawyer. Depending on what state you work at, you can file for wrongful termination because 
Some states are at will, some states are not. For those who don't know what that means, I would think most of you do, but for those who don't, an at will state means that a company could fire you for any reason, if not no reason at all, because you are willingly working for that company. When it's not an at will state, a company has to have a reason for letting you go. Whereas in an at will, they don't have to have a reason. As long as, now let me let me preface this, as long as the reason has nothing to do with your race, your gender, your, your creed, your sexuality, your age, um, there's some other ones. Your age, gender, uh, race, creed, etc., etc. It's basically things that are beyond your control or your political beliefs, whatever the fuck it may be. I, I don't think political beliefs falls into that category. But anyways, the point I'm making is like, I don't know if you're working in an at-will state. This is where like it gets real fuzzy for me. How are you able to sue for wrongful termination if none of what I just said fits into why you were terminated and you're working at an at-will state? Even if, and, and here's the thing, even if any of those reasons are the case, unless they blanketly tell you that's why they're firing you and you've got evidence of it, how are you able to sue in a state that basically gives companies carte blanche to fire you for any fucking reason? Because theoretically, if you feel that you were fired, let's just say for your race, the company who's firing you because they don't like you for being black or whatever, could just sit there and say, we're letting you go. We're not giving you a reason because we don't have to give you a reason. It's an at-will state. Well, now it's incumbent upon you to prove that they were firing you based upon your race. And how are you going to gather up all the evidence that shows that the company was being racist towards you in an at-will state? It's just, I don't know. It just, I never understood how people try to sue for wrongful termination in at-will states unless they have proof beyond reasonable doubt that they fired you because of any one of those categories. And even if it, it's not, and you're trying to fire, uh, go after them because they were uh, they fired you because of in a situation like this, well, you're in that will state. They can fire you for any reason or no reason at all. They don't have to have a reason to just get rid of your ass. Especially if you're not under contract. Well, if you, don't, yeah. if you don't have nothing on paper, I mean, you kind of, you really don't stand a chance in court. Maybe I can. I'm not a lawyer either, but maybe if she has to the money that they wanted to settle with her, or at least something where they wanted to give her that kind of money, she could present that to a lawyer. Maybe he could. Maybe they may have something. But if they don't have nothing in writing, then I I hate to say it, she's kind of out of luck. Yeah, I mean. If what is said is true, they just got rid of her ass before she can even work on something and she did all this. Because what this is reminding me of was, um, I think it was Allison Danger, who she's an independent female wrestler who was living in Nevada, I think, at the time. Yeah, big yeah. yeah. And WWE hired her to be a trainer. And keep in mind, this is like 2021 when the pandemic was still going on and they were only doing shows at the uh, Thunderdome anyways so they hired her to be a trainer but she had to relocate her family all the way to Florida and she basically moved her child 
moved her husband all the way to Florida, knowing full well that she's now going to have her daughter make new friends and all this. And she's got to start a new life and her husband's going to start a new life and she's got to get accustomed to a new living. And then like two or three weeks later, they just fucking let her go after finally getting situated in Florida. They just said, oh, we don't need you no more. You're fired. Capitalism has its uh, benefits, but it also has its detriments too. So, Yeah. Um, but you know, when you really think about it, none of this would be happening. Disney would not be in this position had they actually put effort in their fucking Disney, in their trilogy movies. Because that's why they're in this spot. Yeah, that is definitely true. If they would have had a strong trilogy, that, you know, solid movies and, you know, it was almost as strong as the MCU. I mean, at least the MCU, they have more weight to them because they, of course, they have way more movies that were uh, established and accomplished. That's why they got away with so much more of their spinoff shows because at that point, it's just all content. And but that last phase four, of course, really hurt Marvel. But with Star Wars, it's like they only they had three movies to get this right, at least to show that you know we're taking this serious. And then they flopped. I mean, and now they're not even a movie a movie uh, franchise anymore. They're now a TV property. But even their TV properties suck. Book of Boba Fett was horrible. Mandalorian was was solid for the first two seasons. No one's talking about it now. And now this Acolyte series, whatever this was supposed to be, is not going to... They shot a pilot, it seems, from the looks of it. Who knows what's going to happen? Just because you shoot a pilot doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get picked up. Maybe it will if they do have JBL and Ron Simmons. <laughs> so fucking love that. Star Wars with JBL and fucking Ron Simmons. I mean, if they got Sasha Banks to be in The Mandalorian, or what's her name? Mercedes Monet. Monet. No relation to Frankie, but um, I th- I would love to see fucking Bradshaw in in Star Wars, just <laughs> with a cowboy hat and everything, and he's out there <laughs> shooting laser guns. He shuffles his feet every time he lands on a planet. Yes, goes after freaking Wookies because they're invading his planet. <laughs> Oh my god! And then Ron Simmons is there with a cigar, not giving a shit. That maybe that's what would help Star Wars. Get fucking Farouk and Bradshaw. Yeah, they may they may have a, they may have something there. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, had their trilogy worked, they really could have done whatever they wanted with the television shows because uh, if they would have trusted the Star Wars, the diehard Star Wars mark would follow them wherever they want them to watch. But even them, they're like, eh, no thanks, we're just gonna move on. And look at fucking Star- it's- it's crazy. You wanna make up that money? You wanna make up all those lost billions? Sell it back to George Lucas. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could sell it back to George Lucas, but even he wasn't really popular amongst the- the community for what he did to the prequels. No, but at least they were- Star Wars is still number one. Yeah, I guess you could say that. And, and keep in mind, I never had a problem with the prequels. I'm, I guess I'm one of the few that still enjoys the prequels. I guess I'm I'm that fucking weird, but I like the prequels. No, George knew not to overexpose his brand. He knew after he did the prequel trilogy, you know what? We're good. We just merchandise the shit out of these six movies forever. And then Disney came in, they overexposed the brand, and now look at it. And... They're in a spot they're in. It's hurting. And it's no one's nobody's fault but theirs. They fucked it up. 100%.
Well, that's all the news stories I got. I, I've been told you have another list. Uh, yes, I do. What, uh, what you got for us? So, right before we started this podcast, I was talking to a new friend of mine that I've been talking to recently. Uh, keep in mind, mutual platonic, because I'm going to be saying she, because it is a girl. Uh, and everybody knows I'm in a happy relationship. I don't want you to think otherwise. But yes. Uh, I went on this app called Wink just to meet new friends. I made it specific. I'm only looking for friends. Found this one person. She's also married. I will, she'll remain nameless. I don't want her berated with messages, all two people that listen to this. Um, so we were talking. We just like trying to get to know each other. We got a lot in common. Looks like we, we would be buddies. And we were talking about video games. And she's been asking me like some some questions, like just stupid questions, like, "Oh, what concerts have you been to? If you had to be on an island for and only have five things, what would you have?" I give her my opinion. I'm like, "You know what? Let me ask you a question because you've been asking me the questions. What are your top ten video games?" She gave me hers, and then she asked me mine. So I labeled the top ten video games I've ever played. Ooh, this should be interesting. So I have them in order. So here we go. Number 10, we're going old school. We're going to the Mega Drive, the Sega Genesis, Sonic Dose. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, classic. Classic game. I actually beat this game. Crazy enough, I only beat it once. Because uh, Sonic video games back then, there was this thing called Continues. And if you didn't have any Continues, you had to start from the very fucking beginning. And there were no saves. So you had to do it in one shot or leave your game on pause. But suffice it to say, the level design in Sonic 2 was just absolutely fantastic. It fixed a lot of the problems with Sonic 1. I think Sonic 1's biggest issue was the first level, it's like super fast and super quick. But then the all the other levels after it kind of hinders the speed, which is what Sonic's gimmick is. This game, on the other hand, kind of accentuates the speed in all the levels. It doesn't go too, too fast on every level. Obviously, because you got to give the player enough time to digest what they're seeing. But this is a classic platformer, probably Sega's best platformer they've ever made. Yeah, I think um, that's a high-selling game. I wasn't crazy about Sonic 3 or Sonic and Knuckles as much as I was with this one. I think this one had a charm to it that just wasn't matched. But that being said... This is my number 10. I, I should also preface this by saying that it's one game per franchise. So you're not going to see two games of the same franchise on this list. I made it to one per franchise. So Sonic 2, number 10. Number 9 would be Virtua Fighter 2. This is the second iteration of the Virtua Fighter franchise. If anybody doesn't know, Virtua Fighter is the first ever fighting game that was 3D. It was very revolutionary at the time, but Virtual Fighter 1, obviously, was a prototype to what would come in Virtual Fighter 2, where they polished a lot of the uh, the polygons of the characters that were in the game, because all the guys from the first game reappear in the second game, and they add two new characters. And the level, the backgrounds are much more defined than they were in the first one. The first one was just like a square with a faded background, like a little bit of detail. It looked like a Bob Ross painting in the background, whereas here there's a lot more detail. So 
it felt very polished. The voice acting was there. The first one was just kind of like random screams like, yeah, or, oh, or, here they actually <laughs> speak. They actually speak. And they speak their respective languages, with the exception of Lion Raphael, because he's from France and he speaks English for some reason. I don't know why. But, yeah, it, it, Virtual Fighter has always been a challenging game. Matter of fact, I've been playing Virtual Fighter 4 a lot because I want to get my skills up in that game. It's a very skillful game. But 2 is where it really began for me. I'm more of an Akira Yuki guy than I am a Ryu guy. Akira is the main guy for Virtual Fighter. So it's just a shame that this franchise isn't as given the respect from Sega as all the other ones like Street Fighter, Tekken, etc., Mortal Kombat. And speaking of Mortal Kombat, number eight is Mortal Kombat 2. Mortal Kombat 2 is one of the very first video games I ever played. I was about, uh, when, how old, what year did Mortal Kombat 2 come out? Like 93-ish? I can't, I can't say. Uh, I'm going to look that up for you right now. Yeah, while he looks it up. Mortal Kombat 2 was so, so breathtaking for its time. Well, Mortal Kombat in general, because it used real-life actors to portray the models. 93. 93, so I would have been four at the time. Mortal Kombat 2, there was just something magical about this one. It took all the stuff from Mortal Kombat 1 and polished it. The only characters that don't return as playable characters is Kano and Sonya. But yeah. A lot of the fatalities are cool. Everybody's now got two fatalities. There's stage fatalities. There's all different types of stuff. So Mortal Kombat 2, I think, really defined the Mortal Kombat franchise and where the franchise would go from there. So Mortal Kombat 2 is definitely a game that holds within my heart. So that was, what, eight? All right. Yep. Number seven of my favorite video games of all time, NBA Street Volume 2. NBA Street Volume 2 is a game that I can't really describe because it's a basketball game, but it's not played traditionally like uh, the NBA Live or NBA uh, whatever games are there. So NBA Street Volume 2 was the follow-up to obviously NBA Street, and the whole premise of street ball is different. Like uh, inside the, the 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 net it's only one point and outside it's two and i think nba street volume 2 kind of fixed all the problems with one and made it an even better experience and i put so many hours into this game building so many players etc etc it's hard to describe but i would definitely recommend this game to anybody it was on gamecube xbox and playstation 2 um so that was what number seven right yes sir Uh, all right so number six would be uh SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. WWE SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. This game was the follow-up to... Shut Your Mouth. Mouth. And Shut Your Mouth was a great game, and I always touted it better, but when I look back on it, this game kind of fixed a lot of the problems with Shut Your Mouth, such as if you start a storyline, or you start career mode, and you decide, like, halfway through, eh, I'm not feeling this, let me start a new career. Everything gets fucking erased. As opposed to Here Comes the Pain, where if you decide, eh, I'm not really feeling it, everything stays the same. You can uh, erase it if you want, but it gives you the option to keep everything in line. So I've always liked that about Here Comes the Pain, plus it added blood, the roster, etc. 
Here Comes the Pain was such a revolutionary game at the time. It's so revolutionary that now people are hacking the game and, and building new characters to it. It's really, really cool. So I really enjoyed SmackDown Here Comes the Pain. That was number six. Number five, <laughs> interesting enough, Tekken 5. Uh-huh. Tekken 5 is... How do I say the story is so intriguing because this was the game. Now everybody knows that Tekken 7 Heihachi dies, but Tekken 5, the rumor was Heihachi died in that one too. Because in the very beginning of the game or the, the opening, you see Kazuya and Heihachi in a building with a bunch of jacks and the building explodes with Heihachi quote unquote still inside, but Heihachi escaped. Meanwhile, this tournament gets revitalized by his grandfather who died many years ago. But what makes this game intriguing is that in Tekken 2, the guy that runs the tournament, Jinpachi, who is Heihachi's father, was referenced in one of the endings in Tekken 2 in a gravestone. So it's like they had this guy planned out. It was very, very, very intriguing how they were able to take a past game and reiterate it to then. It was just, it was so, so cool. So... Tekken 5, it plays like all the other Tekkens. I was so close to putting Tekken Tag Tournament 2 on this list because I know you've been in Skype calls with me where we'd be up to like 3 in the morning and I'm still playing that freaking game. But I think Tekken 2, the only Tekken Tag Tournament 2, the only problem was it was not a canon game. This has emotional value for me as a story. So that was number 5. Number 4, another classic. We're going all the way back. Donkey Kong Country Uno. Music is absolutely fantastic in this game. The Aquatic Ambience song is probably one of the best songs in any platformer that I've ever heard. Smooth McGroove has done his own version of it. Uh, the platforming is fantastic. And the one thing I love about Donkey Kong Country, all of them for that matter, not just this one, all of them, is that regardless how difficult it may be, I never feel like it's because of controls or game design or anything. I always feel like there's something I can do to fix what I'm doing. I still haven't beaten two because that's the one where you have to collect all the coins to face the final boss. And two is much harder than one. But I have beaten one. I love this game. It was a very challenging game for me, but it felt super rewarding beating it. Love this game. Fantastic. Number three, this is one that probably most people don't know about, The Darkness. Yes, this you, game... you, you told us about it on this podcast, at least. Okay, so to give you a fresh recap, it's on the PS3 and Xbox 360. Jackie Estacado, 21-year-old, fucks up a hit for Paulie. He has these snake-like beings behind him that is able to devour hearts of anybody who's a threat to him. And Paulie wants to get back at you for fucking up a hit. You don't do it intentionally. You just fucked it up. And now he wants to hurt you. So what does he do? Kills your girlfriend. The one girl that you grew up with in the orphanage. So now you got to extract revenge. It's such an emotional story. I don't know if you've played it. You have. Nope. Um, you haven't. If you still have your PS3 or your Xbox 360. I highly recommend you play this. It's, it's not the most polished first person shooter. But I guarantee you, you play this, you play through the whole story, you are going to be so emotional by the end. I swear to God, I am a very, very, very cynical person. This game made me emotional. It's very rare to get that out of me. So 
Darkness is definitely number three. Number two is another game that most people may have not heard of. It was only released for the PlayStation 1, and it's uh, Bushido Blade 2. The game mechanically is not as good as the first one, because the first one has the ability where, to reiterate, Bushido Blade is a samurai sword fighting game. And the samurai sword fighting in this game, what's good about it is that a fight could last five minutes or it could last five seconds. You can hit somebody in the stomach, dead. Or you can hit them in the leg, and now their leg is completely useless, and now they got to fight with one leg. You hit them in both legs, now they got to crawl. Like you hit them in the arm, and this, that, and the other. You can do so much shit in the first one. The second one deviates away from that and, and doesn't do the leg part. It'll sever the arm part. But it's more tailored to the story. Because now the story's followed up from the first one. And the story is so intriguing. And it's explained through every character this whole story. You get bits and pieces of the story from every fighter, but you're only going to get the full picture once you play as every fighter. And for years, this was my number one game. This was the best game I had ever played because I was so intrigued by the story. I love the characters. I love the story arc. I love the... Uh, there was this one mode where you have to kill 100 samurais in under 15 minutes. And if you do, you unlock a character or something. But this was for years my number one game because of how emotionally attached I was to the game. That is until number one came along and actually for oh, I, I think I already know what it is. Yes. For a couple years I actually hated this game. It wasn't until right before the pandemic I gave this game another chance because around the summer previous they announced the sequel to it. And a coworker of mine and I talked about the sequel, and he wanted to go play the original to get himself hyped for the sequel. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give this game another chance. And I did, and I don't regret that decision ever, because now this became the greatest game of all time for me. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I know it. I said, it's going to be Zelda. <laughs> this game is not like all the other Zelda games, where it's like... You're on a mission and you have to beat the uh, dungeons in order. Like Ocarina of Time kind of did that. It was a coherent story that you had to do in order. There were some side missions you can do. But realistically, when it came to dungeons, you had to do them in order. As opposed to this game in particular. And, and keep in mind, all the Zelda games preceding it were the same way. Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword. Breath of the Wild threw all of that out the window. The first game was the only game to do this, where it just landed you there, gave you a sword, and said, go do what you want. Now, this game in particular doesn't do what the first one does. It does give you a little tutorial in the beginning, but you don't know it's a tutorial. It just lands you in a part of the game, which already feels like a massive part. But that's just like a 16th of what the game offers. And the whole premise of the, the, the island around you is to show you what you can and can't do. You can eat spicy foods to keep yourself warm in cold environments. You can sneak attack the bokoblins or whatever. And then, of course, it teaches you how to beat dungeons. Well, uh, shrines, as they call them. And after that, that's when King Rome gives you the story of why you're not able to remember everything. And then he gives you the, uh, I don't know what it's called, a glider. There we go. The glider so that you can fly. 
And from there, you're on your way. You do whatever you want. You can go straight to Ganon if you want and fight him. Or you can go through the Divine Beast and fight him. There is story here, but it's all about discovery and all that stuff. The thing about this game is that it's all about discovery and finding shit and being amazed. I know you're not going to play the game, so I, I don't mind spoiling this one thing. There's three dragons that fly around here, Nadra, Dinrail, and Feroche, and they all represent the Triforce, if you will, because their names are longer versions of the three goddesses that created the Triforce. But anyways, and they also represent an element. One represents electricity, one represents ice, one represents fire. When I saw these dragons in the distance, I remember my wife, who had played the game before me, I said to her, do I have to fight these things? I'm looking at them like, am I going to have to fight this thing? Come to find out, you don't fight them. They don't intentionally hurt you. It's just that their parts on their body springs out and can hurt you. They are there so you can take parts of their body, and like scales or whatever, and drop them off to unlock a shrine. But it's things like that, just discovery and certain things like Lon Lon Ranch. If you played Ocarina of Time, Lon Lon Ranch is a ranch where you can ride horses and gain rupees and, and gain a horse. Lon Lon Ranch is in Breath of the Wild and it's completely destroyed thanks to Ganon. Just certain elements about this game is just, it's all about discovery and, and creating your own adventure. It's, I can't explain it, but you need if you're all about open world just doing whatever the fuck you want and having the time of your life just breezing through but cobblins and stuff like that this is the game for you i i this game changed my perception of video games and there you have it his top 10 favorite video games of all time yep and that'll be controversial because at the time breath of the wild came out it was revered as one of the greatest now you've got obviously the uh contrarians coming out so there you have uh card subject to change Uh uh-oh i mean for your list because you never know when you may run into that next great game you may have to update your list well the sequel tears of the kingdom is coming out in two months so that may change yes with that said let's get into today's film discussion (laughs) we're an hour to the podcast i think our viewers want to hear us talk about batista Big Dave. Well, it was just a matter of time before we were running to Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Talk about his latest film, Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, based on the book The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Uh, The script was written by Steve Desmond and Shyamalan. It stars Dave Batista. And it has Rupert Grint, who played uh, Ron Weasley in Harry Potter. I didn't even realize it was him, but we'll get to him in a minute. So, so the plot: uh, Wen, who was the little ch- the child, only seven years old, vacationing with her two dads, Eric and Andrew, at a remote cabin. While catching grasshoppers, she is approached by a stranger named Leonard, who's played by Batista. Initially yeah. friendly, he explains he needs Wen and her parents' parents' help to save the world. However, Wen becomes suspicious when three other people appear with makeshift weapons. Wen flees to warn her dads, but the visitors break into the cabin and tie them up, with Eric sustaining a concussion. Batista! And his companions claim that they have never met before this day and have no intention of harming the family. 
However, in the past week, they have been driven by visions and an unknown force to find the family as they are predicting an impending apocalypse. Is it a vision or is it an illusion? So let's get right to the chase. Let's do it. So the movie starts off with, as you said, Wynn in her yard. Well, it's not her yard. It's in a cabin's yard because she's vacationing with her two dads. And when I found out it was the two dads, I'm like, is this a woke movie? I said the same thing. I'm like, oh, no. I hope not. But hold your horses. There, There is talk of, of them being a gay couple and them being discriminated. But relax. Relax. I'll, I'll explain later. So she's doing her thing. And then I'll do it in your voice. Dave Baptista is in the distance. He plays the role of Leonard. He comes up, and before I even continue, I have to give it a Batista here, man. This is an Oscar-nominee winning performance here. He did so good. I have to give it a Batista. He is not just a one-trick pony with drags. He did really, really good. I, I enjoyed his role here. He was, he has a knack for Hollywood, maybe even more so than The Rock, because The Rock just likes to star in blockbuster movies, but it seems like Batista is taking his jab at quality movies. And we'll get to that in a second. So he goes up to win and tries to make friends with her. But as he's talking to her, he has this like distressed look on his face, constantly looking to his side, knowing that there's a cabin in the distance that he has to go to. And that's when his three other friends come in. What was it? Sabrina, Redmond and Adrian. Yes. So they come, it's not like weapons, like swords or, or guns or anything. It's more like uh, ancient weapons, like pickaxes or some shit like that. So when thinking that they're about to attack, runs in and sees her two dads, Eric and Andrew. And she says that there's this guy trying to get in. And obviously Eric and Andrew care for their daughter. Now keep in mind, I think their daughter is Vietnamese, but both the dudes, Eric and Andrew, are white. So, anyways, confrontation beh- uh, between the door, between uh, Leonard and Eric and Andrew. Obviously, they're put off by Leonard because the way he's coming off. And at this point, I'm like, <sighs> I-, I thought this was going to be stupid. Because it's like, if you really want them to listen to you, the way Leonard was approaching the situation was like the worst way possible. But anyways, they break into the house eventually or the cabin and they subdue eric and andrew but not without a bit of consequence like obviously uh redmond gets a busted nose and uh which one was it was it, I think it was andrew? Andrew that suffered the con was it andrew that suffered a concussion he fought i think the sabrina and she knocked him no, down it was, it was it was eric it was eric okay. That, okay yeah so eric's the one that suffered a concussion so anyways, they tie them two up, and that's when they explain to them. Now, let me see if I got this right. They have been seeing visions of a world that's going to go to an apocalyptic end, and they predicted certain things. They predicted that there was going to be, what was the first thing? A tsunami. Am I right? A tsunami. No, no. First it was an earthquake. I'm sorry. Then it, there was going to be a, a, a virus that comes out. And then there was going to be, then it was going to be a tsunami, I think. 
or no, it was vice versa. I'm sorry. First, it was an earthquake. Then it was a tsunami. Then it was going to be. Now I'm getting my. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it was going to happen in different waves. The first wave, I believe, was. Was it an earthquake? I think Earth it was an earthquake. Tsunami. Earthquakes, uh, virus, tsunami, and then something was going to fall from the sky. That Yeah, that's where the uh, planes. Mm-hmm. We find out. And then afterwards, they would only have a few minutes left before the world really comes to an end. However, however, this can all be stopped. But between when Eric and Andrew, they have to decide a sacrifice. One of them has to or two or all three have to make a decision of who is going to sacrifice themselves to save the rest of humanity. Now, Andrew is thinking this is all crazy, but Eric, I guess, is in his concussed state. He's just like, what the fuck's going on? So now they give them the choice. Are you going to sacrifice one of yourselves for the better of humanity? Oh, before that, they do introduce themselves. Uh, Leonard's uh, second grade teacher, uh, I think, what is it? Adrian? Uh, Adrian, I'm not sure what Adrian is. I know Sabrina was a nurse. She worked at a, a a restaurant or something. Yes, she's a chef. Yeah, Sabrina's the doctor, and Redmond. I forgot what he's. He was in jail for some reason. I think what he you said find? He fixes up. Uh, I don't know if he's like an electrician, but he like works on like apartment buildings to and, make sure they're up to code. And he went to jail for a certain period of time. So now that's when they ask, "Are you going to sacrifice one of yourselves?" And they go, no. Uh, Redmond then kneels down and puts a red white cloth over his head. Says, I'm so fucking scared. And then that's when they kill Rupert. Or Rupert's his actor name. Redmond. All Leonard, uh, Sabrina, and Adrian. They basically destroy his head. Like, just yeah, they just kick kicked his head, 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 head yeah. repeatedly. So, I don't know why they have to kill each other. I don't know if that was ever explained why they have yeah. to kill each other. That's yeah, that's one of my takeaways with this. I felt like not enough was explained. At least that part. So, obviously, they take him away, and then that's when he turns on the news, and that's when the first sign comes up. It was uh, the earthquake on the West Coast. Obviously, they're not buying it. So flashbacks occur. I think the first flashback was when Eric and Andrew went to one of their parents' house to say, hey, we're, we're a couple, we're gonna get married, this, that, and the other. And the parents obviously don't approve because it's a gay couple. Especially the dad, he's just sitting there like, he just looks so disgusted. Yeah, so that was that. We go back to the cabin, there's more back and forth. Um, Adrian did, did fix Wynn some food for the morning because uh, they weren't going to do more any more sacrifices until the next day. And then that's when uh, they ask for them to sacrifice somebody again. They say no. Now it's Adrian's turn to get completely eviscerated. So she gets killed. So then obviously the tsunami starts to kick in or yeah, it was the tsunami I think. Because everything's all, like, jumbled. So now, 
you get another flashback because the one thing that I think it was Andrew that pointed it out, Redman was the one that assaulted them at a bar. And they play that back when they're at a bar. I don't know if it was this scene or I think because you had this scene and then you had another scene where they go to the adoption agency to adopt Wynn. Yeah, they sprinkle in uh, flashback scenes between whenever someone gets killed. Yes. I guess and maybe maybe to drag out the runtime. I don't know. Who knows? But anyways, so there's the flashback of when uh, Redman, I guess, attacked them when he was just like super drunk and all that stuff. Now, obviously, there's a lot more tension here because now they're trying to escape because they got because keep in mind, they're all tied up. But they're not tied up real well because obviously Wen had a knife and gave it to Eric and he's able to cut himself free. Now, obviously, there's a battle between Wen, uh, Eric and Andrew and Sabrina and Leonard. But Leonard does not want to kill them. Obviously, he doesn't want to harm them. He just wants them to make the, the choice so that they can make the uh, sacrifice so they could save the world. So... Um, I think it was Andrew that goes into the car and then there's a fight between him and Sabrina and he has a gun in there. So the incident that happened at the bar is the reason why he carries. So it makes sense now why he has a gun because now he's afraid of people trying to hurt him or his partner, Eric. He there's back and forth. He shoots her in the stomach, doesn't kill her though. And so they get into the, the building and obviously they have Leonard subdued and obviously they're still not going to make a sacrifice. So they kill Sabrina. I think by this point, they already had the virus outbreak. And this point now you've got planes just magically falling out of the sky, just like crashing. It's so everything is coming into plan as Leonard described. But Andrew's still like in some sort of denial, but Eric is kind of like, he, he's thinking this may be real. So as it goes on, now Leonard basically says, now it's time for the final test. So they walk outside to the cabin and Leonard sits in the chair and just basically cuts a speech about how, listen, after I'm done, you've only got a few minutes left. It's up to you if you want humanity to continue or not. And so with the final test, he slices his own throat and Leonard dies. And now it just leaves Eric, Andrew and Wynn. Now, obviously everything is going away for the next few minutes, but Eric basically has come to terms with dying. He wants to be the sacrifice, but Andrew doesn't want to kill him obviously he's like no 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 i don't want you to kill him i want you to kill me and it's like eric's like no i'm okay with dying because i see a vision i see a vision of you many years from now taking when out she's a successful person she finds a partner and you guys have a wonderful life together and you're gonna have all these memories and i saw it and i'm happy i'm content so he kills her kills him this was a little bizarre because from what I understand, Leonard said you can't choose yourselves as a, uh, as a suicide. I guess because he didn't kill himself that this counts. But it's like, I thought you weren't supposed to choose yourself. But it, uh, I guess because suicide, that's, so it makes sense. 
So after they make the choice, Eric decides, I'm going to be dead. So Andrew shoots him, kills him. Andrew then takes Wen into a car that was isolated on the road. They go to some sort of diner. Everything's starting to get peaceful again. All the planes are now allotted for and all the families are saved, this, that, and the other. They hop in a car and they keep turning on and turning off the radio because they don't know each other, like what, what we want to do. Eventually they agree, hey, let's just turn on the radio and drive off. And that's the end of the movie. I'm interested to know what you think. I'm in the middle with this one. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of connections to the Bible here. If anyone that follows the Bible, they could probably make the connections that, you know, uh, Batista and his crew basically kind of foreshadow or represent the four horsemen of, of the apocalypse. Because I would say Redman, you know, Rupert Grunt, he probably represented Malice. Sabrina, she was a nurse, so she would have to be healing. Adrienne, she was nurture, and Batista would probably be the guidance since he was, he was really the most calm one of the group. In a way, yes. It was never explained why Rupert Grant hid his identity from the other two. Maybe because he didn't want to... Well, then again, he wouldn't know that it was them. Maybe he was ashamed of his past life and changed his name. Yeah. Because it turns out, you know, he was uh, uh, he was that bar guy that assaulted them back in Boston or whatever. Correct. So I was going to say, maybe he changed his name because he didn't want them to think that, you know, he picked them because of their, their sexual choices. But he wouldn't know that was them... Because if they all went there not knowing who's going to be at that cabin, how would he know that it... Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Um, the acting here is good. Batista's great. I mean, it's crazy how he did this one movie. His very first film was this terrible movie he did with Rob Van Dam. It was uh, some action movie. Van Dam was a star, but for some reason, Batista was like on the center of the poster. And he didn't show up to like, the last acting movie, and his acting was terrible. But man, did that guy do a complete 180. And he yeah. said in interviews, he's hated that performance. And he went to acting classes and he wanted to get better. And it's because he, I guess he knew that his time in wrestling was running out. And he was getting older. I mean, he, was, he already got in the business at an old age. He was like almost 30 or he was already 30 when he got in. Yeah, he was very, uh, he was on the much older scale because wrestling was not his first occupation. But yeah getting back into the point this was definitely one of M. Night's better movies and there wasn't a swerve and I think that's what helped for once a fucking M. Night Shyamalan movie where there's not some dumbass swerve that makes him think he's so intelligent that he was able to swerve the audience it was a straightforward narrative from beginning to end and I felt that's what helped it now, he did have a co-writer with him. He usually doesn't have a co-writer. He usually writes on its own. So maybe that helped? Well, it also helped that this wasn't an original. I, I don't know if original is the terminology. Well, it was based off another it's source. It's based on a book. So yeah. it's like, well, how is he going to swerve the audience when it's already a book? Yeah, the mystery's already there. Why are they here? Why is this happening? Why, you know, why the end of the world? Why these four people? I mean, you know, not everything's explained i can see that bothering some people i'm just trying to make sense out of all this and you yeah. know as we're discussing it yeah and why this cabin in particular like yeah. what's the significance to this cabin there's no real significance other than it's a 
freaking cabin in the middle of nowhere that they somehow were able to find. They found it. I guess their visions led them to this cabin. And as I mentioned, whoever was inside, they would be the ones that would have to make this choice. Yeah. And I guess had they made the choice sooner, then the other four could have could have uh, walked away and lived. Right. But they did such a horrible job in convincing them. That that was a one thing that was a little bit odd. Was that none of them did any good of a job in convincing them the, the sacrifice. Now, to be fair, is it easy to convince a family of three to kill one another? No, but even Batista, who's supposed to be the voice of reason, he's this big jack dude who's acting all panicked. You think you're going to want to listen to him and kill one of your own? You're going to think that dude's going to have to kill you. Like, dude, you better ways to do this. But I understand that obviously they were panicked because they wanted to save civilization. But either way. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of religious undertones, as I mentioned, with this film. Um, the ending, um, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting something. It just, I mean, the ending was eh. You know, they, the uh, the gay couple, they made their decision. Uh, I think it was Eric, or was it? I get confused. You know, it was Andrew that walked away with when they went to the local restaurant, and it seems it seems like the world is calming down. And I guess they realize, you know, we made, you know, we have to make the sacrifice. And then, I guess they drive off into the sunset. Maybe they're gonna go pick up the. Didn't Adrian mention that she had a son? And once they went to the car, they they found their wallets, their IDs, and everything, and their clothes. And then maybe maybe um, Andrew was gonna go find the son of Adrian and maybe take care of him. I don't know. Maybe who knows? But they're literally the whole movie is around the cabin, a couple flashbacks, and then the diner. That's literally yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, the the, ca- the cabin is is a character itself. Yeah, you hear a lot of creaking too in the cabin a lot of it. i noticed that there was a lot of like floor creaks in that whole movie but yeah, i guess credit to the uh sound guy for getting all that i thought it was a, it was one of the better m night Shyamalan movies just yeah, because it wasn't a silly twist at the end yeah this was definitely one of his better ones this was better than his last film he did old i thought old was terrible hmm um, M. Night Shyamalan, he's had quite an interesting career. Sixth Sense, great movie, Unbreakable, I think it's one of the best superhero movies made, so underrated. I didn't see, um, The Village, I didn't see that one, I didn't see Lady in the Water, I heard those are eh. Then he did The Happening, I was like, uh, eh. Happening was one of those, it's so silly, you might actually like it, because of how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And then the one, The Career Killer, Last wow. Airbender. Yep. And didn't we review Devil on this podcast? Yes, I was one of his... Yeah, because... Yeah, we did. Uh, he produced that one. I, I didn't think Devil was that bad. It was corny as shit. <laughs> I mean, why Dude. is the Devil going after a freaking hit-and-run driver? There's so many worse people on the planet you could go after. Yeah. Who knows? But it was it technically was an M. Night Shyamalan story. And yeah. This movie was fine. I thought it was good. It was for me, it didn't feel long. I, I give it that. Yeah, I mean it helps that you had a strong lead with Batista. Yeah. Batista did a good job. So kudos yeah, to him. 
I really yeah, like... I think the whole cast did a pretty good job. I really didn't care for the gay couple that much. But, I mean, they weren't terrible. I just didn't really care for them like that, you know. I guess they're, they're a power of love. Yeah. But, uh, was, even the child actor, she did good. That day. But, uh, performances-wise, I thought everybody did good here. Yeah. Solid 100%. directing. Um... I, you know, one of Shyamalan's better films. Uh, not his best movie. It's kind of... I give it a thumbs up. I give it a solid one thumb up. Because, again, it's M. Night Shyamalan. He's got to sprinkle his M. Night Shyamalan goodness all over it, so... Yeah, he can't... He, uh, of course, he has his cameo in the movie as well. He was on the TV, one of those uh, program ads promoting some kitchen product. Yeah. I always, I always, every time I was, I was like, all right, where's Shyamalan? He's going to cameo in here somewhere. He always throws himself in the movie. Yeah. He was there for, like, a cup of coffee, and that was it. But, uh, anyone wants to check this out, you know, why not? Go ahead. You know, it won't hurt. You might enjoy it. Yeah, you might enjoy it. Just don't, don't expect anything spectacular. But it's, it's a nice little film. It's, it's harmless. It's very well paced. Yeah. And I think that's going to do it for this episode of Fractured Skulls. I know we went a little long with this one, guys. Our apologies, but a lot of shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Disney for that. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Yeah, we're going to see what's going to happen with Disney, how they're going to respond to uh, Jonathan Majors, if they're going to do anything, if they're going to not do anything. They're going to they're gonna have to do something. They're going to have to say something eventually. Mm-hmm. So... But the guy still needs to have his day in court. So, well, um, any updates? We will keep you posted on Fractured Skulls. Woo! So, for uh, Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Uh, Batista! Big Dave.